to you there, friends and neighbors. Just want to say thank you for joining me for another episode here of the Old Country Church. I'm going to start out by saying that uh, I didn't plan on doing this episode today. I was at my mother-in-law's house earlier, sitting on the couch, and the Lord just laid this on me to do this show this evening. That right there is what I'm going to do for you. A lot of us deal with anxiety and depression. It's something that over the past year or so I've really struggled with. I've had different trials and tribulations that have came into my life. You know, I have days sometimes I get up and I think about things I have coming up. and It almost consumes me. Sometimes I'll go a day or two with these trials just constantly on my mind. But the Lord doesn't let it be more than I can can stand, you know. But friends, I'm going to tell you something. And I mean this with everything in me. I do cherish my burdens when they do come because they show me without Christ I can't do nothing. Without Him, nothing is possible. Without Him, I know exactly where I'd be. But He keeps me. He protects me. My Redeemer, He's my substitute. He's mild. So like I said, friends, I cherish my burdens. Maybe some of you find that hard to believe. But when things are going good for us, sometimes we don't think on things like we should. He never lets me get too far, you know. He always brings me back. So friends, I cherish my burdens with everything in me. Just remember... Christ be for us. Who can be against us? Something I think about is is the book of Job and all that Job went through. But he never took his heart. It always pointed towards heaven. He never let that change even with all the things that Satan done to him, the Lord let him do it. Now, I know that's sometimes hard to understand, but Satan can't do anything that God don't let him do. I'm going to read something to you. This is from the book of Job, chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord... And Satan came along among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? For there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. 
And Satan answered the Lord and said, Job, fear God for naught. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Friends, you just heard Satan asked him, he said, Haven't thou put a hedge about him? God asked him why he hadn't, hadn't touched Job, but he knew without God letting him, he couldn't. And God didn't let him. He let him touch the things around him. But he never got him. Because God wouldn't allow it to happen to one of his. And like I said, if you're familiar with the book of Job, he went through a lot. He lost family, everything he had. He had a lot of riches. And he lost it all. But he never wavered from having his heart pointed towards the Lord. He never wavered his faith. Even in his darkest days, the trials and tribulations he dealt with, he always still praised God. And Lord, I pray to I pray to have the patience of Job. But just think, friends, God never let Satan do anything more to Job than he could stand. Like I said, I've had a lot going in my life and some days I just can't take my mind off of it. But God never gives me more than I can withstand. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, it reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and have heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So friends, just cast your burdens upon the Lord. God doesn't give me more and I can withstand. I used to deal with my problems in a different way. The bottom of a bottle, that was how I dealt with things. And when God did reveal His Son to me, after a while I looked back and thought, I just wonder why did it take so long? Friends, we got to understand everything happens according to God's will and according to God's purpose. And everything happens in due time according to Him. Not a second sooner, not a second later. With that being said, I'm sure glad that Lord Jesus Christ died for sinners like me because I don't know what kind of shape I'd be in without Him. Well, I know what kind of shape I'd be in without Him. 
friends, I'm going to read something for you. That a pastor out of Jackson, Missouri, who pastors Sovereign Grace Church in Jackson, Missouri, Brother Drew Dietz told me about. It's a daily devotional that I read every day. It's, it's called Faith's Checkbook. It's like a minute devotional. But if you're like me and well, Charles use some, some words that I sometimes don't understand, I look them up and so I understand the, the meaning behind the messages that God gave him. Sometimes it takes me two or three minutes to read these old one-minute devotionals. But I'm going to read one of those devotionals for you now that uh, I read the other day. And The other day when I was having a hard time, this message that God gave him, oh, give me strength. The title of this little short devotional is called Burdens Cast on Him. Psalms 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Charles writes, it's a heavy burden. Give it to God. It is your burden now, and it may crush you. But when the Lord takes it, he will... Make nothing of it. If you are called to bear it, he shall sustain you. You will be so upheld under it that the burden will be a blessing to you. Bring the Lord into the matter, and you will stand upright under that which in itself would bow you down. What about the present moment? Are you going forth to this day, trial alone? Or your poor shoulders again to be galled? with an impressive load. Be not so foolish. Tell the Lord about your grief and leave it with him. Don't cast your burden down and take it up again, but roll it on the Lord and leave it there. Then you will walk as joyful and unburdened believer, singing the praises of the great burden bearer. Friends, if you think that your burdens are too much for the Lord, just think about it. I know it's hard to really comprehend. There's a lot of things in the gospel that's not meant for us to understand completely. We understand really very little of it. But friends, I do understand that the gospel says that God give his only begotten son to die for the sins of whoever shall believe upon him. And all the sin that was or that ever will be was cast on the shoulders of Christ when he died on that old cursed tree, when he died on the cross at Calvary. So if he can handle that, friends, I believe he can handle my burdens and yours. I'm going to share a sermon with you from Pastor Bruce Crabtree from Newcastle, Indiana, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church. I've never had the privilege of meeting Bruce or hearing him preach in person, but I do listen to him a lot on sermon audio. And I'd recommend those of you that uh, would like to do so to find him on there. But if you live close to Newcastle, Indiana, maybe go hear him preach the gospel sometime. But this is a sermon that he put out a few weeks back entitled Spiritual Anxiety. 
I hope this message brings a blessing to some of y'all. I know it sure was. Sure meant a lot to me. But before Bruce preaches, I'm going to play him for you. Friends, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that's listened to this episode with me this morning. Just remember, friends, no matter how great your burdens are, cast them upon the Lord. Because like I said, I haven't had a drop to drink in over six months, and I don't want it. But I have something so much greater in my life. Like I said, friends, here's a hymn for you, and be followed by a message from Pastor Bruce Crabtree. God bless you. Acts chapter 10 and Philippians chapter 4. We'll take back up next week, the Lord's willing, with Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21. But I want to, uh, I've been thinking about this most of the week, and uh, I just want to look at this subject tonight. 
just one verse here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 and Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. This is where Peter went down to Cornelius' house, and this is breaking right in the midst of his message. But it gets to the point that I want to look at this afternoon. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And that's sort of the subject I want us to look at this afternoon, depression, spiritual depression or anxiety. Uh, but most of the time when we're anxious or when we get depressed, that's when the devil uh, sees an open door to take advantage of us. You see somebody with depression, you can bet he's there, or one of his fallen angels are there uh, to uh, uh, exaggerate the anxiety and the depression. But I want us to look, first of all, uh, Peter made a contrast here between the Lord Jesus and Satan. He calls him here the devil. It's Satan, Satan of the devil, the old dragon. He goes under many names. But notice the contrast here between Jesus, our Savior and Lord, as opposed to the devil. Christ is, Christ is holy, isn't he? He's holy. And the devil is an unclean spirit. Christ is the giver of life. I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. What's Satan called? A murderer. A murderer from the beginning. That's all he's been since he's fell. Christ is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Satan is a liar. And the father of lies. The first one that was ever told, he told. Christ is called the faithful and true witness. Satan is a traitor. He's a deceiver. The Bible says he's deceived the whole world. Christ is the prince of life. Satan is the prince of darkness. Christ frees. If the Son make you free, you're free indeed. What does Satan do? He enslaves. He puts into bondage. He bound that poor woman 18 years, didn't he? Bent her over. Bound the veteran maniac for years. Christ restores. I restored that which I took not away. What does Satan do? He destroys. He come to destroy. He come to devour. Christ is the healer, and we're told here in our text that Satan is the oppressor. Satan has never done the first thing right. He's never done the first good thing. Everything he does is evil. How how opposite that is, and what a contrast that is to Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good. He's never done anything but good, and he's doing good now while he's in heaven. Humanity is under these two great powers. All of humanity is under these two great powers. Either Jesus Christ, who is the sovereign Lord, he's the eternal Son of God, all powers given unto him in heaven and earth, or they're under the power of Satan, a creature, a mighty creature. He's just a creature. But I tell you what, he's a mighty creature, isn't he? Because the Bible calls him a god the God of this world, calls him a prince, calls him a lion, calls him a dragon. So that indicates to us, under God and at God's will and God's permission, he carries a lot of authority. And who can stand before the God of all the earth? Humanity don't realize this, but we're just pawns 
under these great powers. Who can stand before God? Nobody. Who can resist His will? Nobody can do that, can you? Who can say unto Him, What doest thou? And listen to this. Who can stand before the God of this world? Who among us, if we're left to ourselves, could endure the onslaughts of Satan? That poor Gadarene couldn't, could he? The woman that was bound for 18 years, she couldn't free herself from him. And holy Job. Job was a perfect and upright man. Look what he did to him. And would have killed him if the Lord had gave him permission. What hope would a fallen humanity have without a sovereign healer to deliver us from the oppression of the devil? I tell you, life itself would be a living death, wouldn't it? And we'd face eternity with nothing but darkness and despair if we didn't have a sovereign Savior to deliver us from the oppression of the devil. I tell lost people all the time, especially young people, don't ever get it in your mind that Satan cares about you. Satan hates you. Satan not only hates God, he hates the Son of God, he hates the Spirit of God, he hates the church, and he hates every lost man. Satan don't love anybody. He hates and he seeks to destroy everybody. And he destroys so many. From the very beginning, the Son of God was said to do this. When he comes, he's going to bruise the serpent's head. That's a deadly blow. That's a serious blow. And when he came, John says it this way, he came to destroy the works of the devil. And what is one of the chief works of the devil? Oppression. He oppresses the nations. And Jesus Christ heals. He heals them from the oppression of the devil. Satan has the capacity to oppress the body, and he has the capacity to oppress the mind. And his chief aim in oppression is this, to drive people to a feeling of hopelessness and with that to do themselves harm. Joe and I just had a friend this week, uh, a young lady friend, what was she, in her 30s? June was in her 30s, maybe 40. And uh, we got the word that she was dead, and now what they're telling us now, that it was probably suicide. A young lady... And you know who the author of suicide is? Satan is. He's the murderer from the beginning. He seeks to do men harm. And when we get anxious, whether we're children of God or lost people, boy, he sees that as an open door. And he does harm. He gets into the mind and does harm. In the Lord's day, he mainly possessed the body. How many... How many times do we read that the Lord cast out this dumb and deaf spirit uh, or some evil spirit or, or, or unclean spirit out of a person? He possessed the body. Today we sit mainly Satan dealing in the mind of men, possessing men's mind. The Gadarean, what did he do when he lived in the tombs naked? You can sense the despair on his voice crying and cutting himself. The Lord Jesus was going to cast an unclean spirit out of a young boy. You remember this in Mark chapter 9. And when he told the unclean spirit to come out of him, remember how he cast him down and he was foaming at the mouth? And he asked his dad, he said, how, how long ago has it been since this come upon him? And he said, when he's just a little fellow. And often this spirit takes him and casts him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. 
It's against nature for a man to do that, isn't it? You wouldn't cast yourself into the fire. You wouldn't drown yourself. But you would if Satan got control of your mind. That's what he did there. Imagine what would have happened finally in both of these instances, in this Gadarean and this young child, if the Lord Jesus had not intervened and healed them from the oppression of the devil. It would have ended bad, wouldn't it? It would have ended badly. And there are people today, even believers, even God's children, who suffer one effect of sin or another in their mind. Guilt, fear, doubts, anxiety, confusion. And here's the thing about Satan. He's there to exaggerate this confusion. He's there to exaggerate this anxiety and put a sense of hopelessness in the heart and the mind of people. Our bodies are fearfully and fearfully and wonderfully made, David said. And you know that includes our minds, doesn't it? Our bodies have this balance about them. And so does our mind. If our bodies get chemically out of the balance, what happens? If you eat sweets all day long for two or three days, what happens to your body? It's a mess. Isn't it? And if the mind gets out of balance chemically. We've got these chemicals that, that the mind feeds upon and let one or two of those chemicals get out of balance. And what happens? Man, you start thinking bad thoughts. You get confused. You get anxious. And that's when the devil comes in. That's an open door for him. It seemed like when the Lord made this world, he put a balance in so many things. We, talk, we, we hear so much about the ecosystem and how it easily got out of balance. I, I was reading about the Dust Bowl in the late 20s and early 30s out west, the Midwest. Remember when they plowed up all the ground and the wind started blowing it and creating these dust storms and, and people had to move. The whole area had to move out because it got out of balance. Down in Tennessee, when I was growing up, we had some rivers there that we used to fish in. And there's always a little coal mining water in those rivers, but it's not enough to affect anything. But when they begin to mine and the, the mining water comes out of those mountains down in the rivers, it kills everything, throws the system out of balance. And it's the same way with us in our mind. If we get unbalanced chemically, and we get confused, we start feeling the result of that, and if we don't get that fixed, what happens? Man, we get out of balance mentally. And this happens to so many people. I don't know how many people through the decades I've met, I've, I have met and dealt with uh, that their whole problem, they had a chemical imbalance in their brain. When they got that fixed, everything was right. But during the time that they got this imbalance, they were thinking all of these wicked thoughts. Believers were saying, I have no hope of salvation. There's no hope for me. And, and tempted to commit suicide and everything else. And who's behind that? Who exaggerates that? Satan himself. I was talking to Joe today, and they said there's a record number now of people on... Antidepressants. And I've got nothing, man, that comes home to me. That, I've got nothing negative to say about that. 
I thank God for it. Uh, people can't function without something. I was talking to a young lady today, and, and she told me she was on antidepressant, and she can't function without it. And so many lost people are there. And I don't judge anybody. I thank God really for it. But you know, having said that, that is just a band-aid. It's just a temporary fix at best. Uh, the only true and eternal deliverance from that is through the merits and, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. And, and, a, and a person may get enough of this chemicals to help them, but I tell you the only true deliverance from the power of darkness and this oppression of the devil is for Jesus Christ to deliver us from him. And I think much of the depression in our day and all of what's going on in the minds of men, I think a lot of it is just the effects of a sinful life. It's the effects of Satan oppressing the mind. Uh, and if the Lord Jesus doesn't deliver them from that, then they'll die. And the life to come will be much worse than the life they have now. Look here in Philippians chapter 4, but here's what I want to look at for just a minute. Because he's speaking here in Philippians 4, and verse 4, to believers. And I think he gives us a good remedy here for anxiety. I want you to look at this in, in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and look in verse 4, and let's read a few verses here. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. That word there is anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me and do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now here the Apostle Paul is speaking to believers. And he's speaking here concerning anxiety. There in verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. And he gives us some remedies here uh, for anxiety. And here's the, here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, to be a little anxious, I guess, is normal. But to be overly anxious and worried and fret, it can lead to something worse. It can lead to depression. And then when we get depressed, that's when Satan comes in, the depressor, the oppressor of men's mind, and takes advantage of us. Here the Apostle Paul tells us how to fight against this anxiety. And he begins here in verse 4, and in the, verse, verse 6 is what I want to look at, verse 6. 
he's speaking to believers in verse 6. This word careful, anxious, it's used 19 times in the New Testament. And 10 times it's translated thought, thoughts. It has to do with our thinking, with our thoughts. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of itself. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Seven times it's translated care or care for. Paul was talking to Timothy and he said, I have no man like-minded that would naturally care for you. He's anxious for you. Two times it's translated careful here in our text and another time concerning Martha. Remember what the Lord said about Martha and to Martha. Martha, Martha, you're anxious. And what else did he say? You're troubled. See what anxiety does? It brings trouble. Trouble to what? Your mind. You're anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious thoughts. This word careful, it means anxious thoughts, overly concerned, worried, fretting, you're worried about many things. You know King David had trouble with anxiety. He had trouble with depression. One of the reasons we like the book of Psalms is because he's often talking about his troubles. And look what some deep troubles he experienced. He had his anxiety, and he had anxiety about so many things. And look at his writings as you read him. Sometimes when he got anxious... He jumped to these wild, unfounded conclusions. Two examples. I remember one time when, when uh, Saul, uh, uh, King Saul was after him, and here's what he said. There's just one step between me and the grave. That's what he thought. And he got so anxious about it. He said that when he was a young man. There's just one step between me and the grave. You know he lived to be well over 100 years old. That's a lot of steps, isn't it? In his own apprehension, he got so ang- he got so anxious, man, I'm going to die. One, my next step. Another time when he, he let Saul go, he turned and ran, ran to the Phil- Philistines and hid among the Philistines. He said, surely I'll die one day at the hands of Saul. Did he? Well, no, he didn't. Saul died years before David did. But when he got anxious, this is what he did. He jumped all these conclusions. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Be not anxious. We don't think very much of this, brothers and sisters, but it has a a very negative effect upon us, especially some people and Christians. Listen to how David said this when when he got so anxious. In Psalms chapter 42, you can read it through many of the Psalms, but listen to what he said here. Psalms 42 and verse 9. He said, Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? The oppression of the enemy. How did it affect him? Well, he mourned about it. He mourned. It got him down. Verse 3, he said, My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say, where is your God? Where's your help, David? Who said that? Well, we know who said it. And then in verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? 
And then in verse 10, As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? And in verse 11 again, he said, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? This casting down of our souls would be the end of us. It would be the end of us. If hope, the grace of hope, didn't get underneath our soul and stop our sinking. When your soul begins to sink, it's an awful thing, isn't it? You've, you've experienced that, haven't you? Your soul sinks. It gets cast down. And it comes because of this anxiety. And then that opens the door to the oppressor, our enemy, and he exaggerates everything. And then we begin to fall. We begin to sink. And David asked himself, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And then he found this remedy. He said this, Hope thou in God. God is your hope. Hope thou in God. I yet shall praise Him who is the help of your countenance. His presence is my help. That's what David said. But David's anxious thoughts is what opened the door for his enemy to come in and discourage him. His anxious thoughts. This is why our text says, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety has a tendency, if nothing else, to drain the brain of its vital chemicals. And it opens the door for greater problems. Spiritual depression. Spiritual depression. I was talking with Sarah Binder one day, Brad's wife, and she said the medical community has begun to realize now that, <clears throat> that uh, a person's emotions, your emotional stability, it's just as important as your physical stability. And they profess to realize that all along, she said, but now they're starting to do something about it. That's what she does. She's a counselor. You know someone about, uh, about counseling and how important it is for a person's emotional stability. It's important, isn't it? Because if you get unstable mentally and emotionally, Man, you've got problems, and you'll probably wind up having a physical problem. And that's why the Apostle Paul said here, don't be anxious. Joe and I met a young lady. She's a, she goes to the University of Louisville. She's majoring in, in musical therapy. Musical therapy. And, and she's, she'd been working during the summer at nursing homes, and she said it was amazing. She goes in and talks to patients, sometimes older people, and, and many of them are depressed, and she says she goes in and sits and talks with them. She plays different instruments. She finds out the kind of instruments she like, they like, and she goes back and she plays for them. And she says she's been amazed how it calms them, how that calms them emotionally, and it helps them also physically. That's what Paul said here. Be not anxious. Be not anxious. In the physical realm, a calm mind is more stable than an anxious mind. Is it not? It's the same way in the spiritual realm. An anxious mind is not stable. 
A fretting mind, a worrying mind, is unstable spiritually. Be anxious for nothing. And Paul gives us some remedies here against anxiety. And these things fight against anxiety. They stand against anxiety. And and all of us get anxious, don't we? We get anxious about things. Here's some things that will help our anxiety. And you don't just go up to somebody and say, snap out of it. That's offensive. That's offensive. I've been, I've suffered some depression myself, and I've had people call me in, Bruce, snap out of it. And you know that's offensive. If you'd have told your mom that, Ellen, that, that offended her, wouldn't it? Snap out of it. You can't snap out of it. That's why it gives us a remedy here not to get in it. And if we're in it to help us to not to develop a depression out of it. Because I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, Satan is there. And every opportunity he can to get the door open unto our minds to lead to severe depression and anxiety. Because that does so many things. It hinders your worship. And I'm telling you what, it'll hinder the worship of your friends and brothers and sisters too. Remember Martha again? She got so anxious. She wasn't worshiping. She wasn't listening. And she was trying to get Mary not to listen. Paul, here in verse 4, here's the first one. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here's the first remedy to help us against anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice that you're in Him. Rejoice that you're chosen in Him. You're redeemed in Him. You're accepted in Him. You're complete in Him. Rejoice. Isn't that, if we talk about anxiety of the mind, what would be one of the things that would have a tendency to relieve anxiety of the mind? Would it not be a happy mind? Would it not be a rejoicing mind? And, 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 and somebody might say, Bruce, I was rejoicing in Christ's history. I really was. But I ain't today. Well, what happened? Did he change? Your position ain't changed. You're still in Christ. You're just as saved today as you was yesterday. And you'll be just as saved tomorrow. Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Rejoice in the Lord. You, you can't rejoice in your present circumstances most of the time. Most of the time, your present circumstances aggravate you to death. Do they not? If it ain't having to go by and you more, it's something, it's something else, ain't it? But listen, in Christ, nothing ever changes. In Christ, it's always good. Rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5, look at this. Let your moderation, this word is used very, very few times in the New Testament. It means gentleness. Let your gentleness, let your mildness, let your calm attitude be known to all men. Who ever heard of a gentle and mild person being afflicted very much with anxiety? To be gentle, to be mild, to be calm. These things don't cause anxiety, do they? 
Thirdly, look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But look at this now. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer. By prayer. What is prayer? Is it not communion with God? Is it not simply drawing near to our Heavenly Father and talking with Him and communion with Him? It is good for me, David said, to draw near to God. Why? He calms my mind. What can disturb you in the presence of your Heavenly Father or your communion with Him? Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. I don't know that I've ever been too disturbed when I've been in communion with God. I mean, there's just nothing there that can disturb you. What, what can disturb us while we're in communion with our Heavenly Father? Pray. Pray. And that's why He says pray without ceasing. Pray, because I'm telling you, prayer is a death blow. Communion with God is a death blow to anxiety. Supplications. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication. This word expresses a need, something that concerns us. It's a care that we feel. And what do we do? We tell the Lord about it. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And we can choose either to carry that care, to carry that concern, or we can cast it upon Him. And if we cast it upon Him, that relieves us of the burden, does it not? And that deals with our anxiety. Sharing weights around, I tell you, it gets heavy, don't it? It gets heavy. Cast them upon Him. Cast your burden on the Lord and leave it there. Supplication. And look at this, with thanksgiving. I don't know of two things that's more opposite than thanksgiving and anxiety. To have a thankful heart is a cheerful heart. Is it not? And when we're not thankful, what do we do? We get anxious. We get anxious. And notice this. Fourthly, let your request be made known unto God. That's strange language, isn't it? Let your request be made known to Him that knows everything. But that's the Scripture way of telling us this. He knows what we need before we pray doesn't but he wants to hear it from our lips and it's good for us to acknowledge it ain't it good for us to say Lord give us this day our daily bread I mean we're so dependent upon him that we can't even get our daily bread unless he gives it to us And if He puts it in our hands and doesn't give us the means and the grace and the strength to digest it, we can't eat it. Give us this day our daily bread and listen to this. Deliver us from evil. That's a request we make, isn't it? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Our request is an acknowledgement of our utter dependency on Him for all things. That's why we make this request to Him. And an utter dependence upon our Heavenly Father puts the nails in the coffin of worry and anxious thought. If we leave it in His hands to supply our need, 
It takes it out of our hands. And what brings on anxiety? Trying to secure ourselves. Securing our daily needs for ourselves. And we can't do it. We can't do it. Making request to the Lord. It shuts the door in Satan's face. Does it not? These things will help our anxiety. It's very evident. Look in verse 7. After he says these things, and look at this. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds. The peace of God. Nothing can disturb the peace of God. It can't disturb it in Him, and it can't disturb it when He gives it to you. Nothing can disturb the peace of God in your heart. The word means to keep. To keep. The peace of God shall keep. It shall keep. It means to be a watcher in advance. To mount guard as a sentinel. To keep as with a garrison. To protect. To preserve. From what? What does the peace of God keep us from? Anxiety, worrying, and fretting. The Lord Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Peace guards the door of the heart against all of these harmful intruders that oppress us. Look one more time at verse 8 and verse 9. Look here what, what he tells us that our thoughts, the way we think, has to do with whether or not we're so anxious. Look what he says in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, noble, whatsoever things are just and pure, and lovely, and of good report. Think on these things. Meditate upon these things. Why? It keeps you from being anxious. Our mind sometimes a playground of the devil, ain't it? And our fallen human nature. And our thoughts, the way we think, sometimes our, our greatest problem that we bring on ourselves is not thinking right. We go and we wake up finally and say, well, I've not even been thinking right. This is my whole problem. And Paul tells us here what to think of. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. All of us are getting older, and I tell you, I've noticed a change in my mind as I've gotten a little bit older. Not just the memory, you just, you just uh, uh, forget things, but uh, you're thinking what you think on and what you need to think on. And, and, and uh, as I get older, if I lose my mind finally, I don't want it to be because I didn't take heed to these blessed instructions. If I lose my mind, I just want it to be because I've lost my mind, because that's just the natural way things go. But I don't want to lose my mind and go off into darkness because I did not listen to the Word of God. I don't want to be anxious about anything. 
If our God is sovereign, and He's our Father, and Jesus Christ is there to give us total access into His presence, why live a life of anxiety? Why give Satan an open door to lead us off into depression and worry and fretting? We shouldn't do that, should we? Let free willers do that. They don't believe in the sovereign God anyway. But don't let us live like that and do that. Lord bless His Word.